Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Friday, May 20th. We begin with our weekly conversation with Mayor Jyoti Gondek. With Flames Fever in full swing, we asked the mayor her thoughts on what sort of an impact the Battle of Alberta is having on our city's economy. Next, a look at the headlines south of the border. From the latest on last weekend's deadly attack in Buffalo to an uptick in COVID-19 cases, we catch up with Jennifer Johnson, Global News Washington correspondent. As we gear up to hit the road and travel this summer, how do we balance the wants and needs to get away with family in the face of the rising cost of living? We discuss with financial advisor and CEO of Credit Canada, Bruce Celery. And finally, it's time to buddy up at curb suicide rates among men in Alberta. Details on resources available in our province for those struggling from the Centre for Suicide Prevention. Well, every week we have a chance to catch up with Mayor Jyoti Gondek to discuss the issues facing Calgarians. Mayor Gondek joins us again today. Happens to be head of Game 2 of the Battle of Alberta. Good morning to you, Madam Mayor. Good morning, Andy. How are you? Good. I'm wondering, uh, well, a couple of things here. Heading into game two, how are you feeling about the Flames and, and what's your prediction? And if you can break down the bet you've made with your Edmonton counterpart. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, going into this game um, with a win under our belt already is obviously a great feeling. The team's been playing well. The players are excited. Uh, our coach is calm as always, which is fantastic. Um, and going into the bet, uh, we have decided as Edmonton Council and Calgary Council that uh, personally we will donate to the other city's cancer, Kids Cancer Care uh, Society or Association. So up in Edmonton, they have got Kids with Cancer Society and down in Calgary, we have Kids Cancer Care. So each council will make donations if they lose. Um, obviously at the first council meeting, you will show up in the opposing team's colors. But the best part is really, you know, throwback to the days of Seinfeld when David Putty showed up for a date with Elaine with full New Jersey Devils face paint. <laughs> the losing mayor will show up in face paint of the opposing team. I love it. It's going to be fantastic when they make that large donation to Kids Cancer Care here in Calgary. It'll be a beautiful well, thing to see. <laughs> and that is going to be fantastic. It, it is a much-needed contribution. I'm looking forward to driving up and painting Mayor Sohi's face. Oh, him. fantastic. I love it. Okay, well, let's talk about the economic benefits because obviously this is a big deal, not only to the people, but to the businesses of our city and right across the province, obviously. But, you know, it impacted the Flames playoff run for local Calgary companies and businesses, pubs, restaurants, all of it. It's huge, isn't it? It's huge. And the estimates that we're hearing from the Chamber of Commerce is about $3 million of uplift um, for every game that we have in our city. And I would add to that, you know, a lot of folks um, are talking about 17th Avenue and a lot of the restaurants and pubs in and around the area of the game. But I would say this is citywide. People are looking to watch the game, you know, near where they live in their own neighborhoods. And the merchandise, I mean, people are doing custom cookies and custom cakes and they're coming up with all kinds of amazing ideas to take part in the celebration and cheering our team on so it's really good for everyone i want to bring something up that uh, sue had pointed out anecdotally driving around town just a couple of weeks ago but this is an ongoing issue and this is driving down your your residential roads it could be even a busier road and you, you see this what looks like snow by a bus shelter and you realize the bus shelter has been smashed we're seeing a lot of these bus shelters being smashed what is done in that case, and what is the cost? Is, is this something that is, is discussed in City Council? This is something that gets brought up regularly because all of us, when we're walking through our neighborhood, can see the damage that gets done. 
Um, I remember going down Harvest Hills Boulevard and there were two smash shelters and then another one on 96 just a few weeks ago. I don't know why people think it's amusing to do things like this. It's incredibly expensive. And let's focus on the fact that people who are using that shelter can't when somebody damages it. So it is something that people shouldn't be doing. And you try to keep reminding the public how expensive this can be for us and how it's just really not respectful. But it continues on. So we've had a lot of conversations about whether we should use a different material. How can we make this better? And we continue to ask administration for some solutions. Okay, well, we'll keep asking about that because I know you and I live up in the same sort of general area. And there are, I would say, 99% of the bus shelters up there have been smashed over the past couple of weeks. So clearly it's an issue and maybe uh, there needs to be a, another material used. Um, what can you tell us, Mara, about um, Council's Housing and Affordability Task Force? How's that going? Uh, that was an interesting proposal that was brought forward by a couple of members of council. Uh, Councillors Walcott and Penner took the lead on bringing it up. And really, it's something that we have been noticing for some time. Um, when I served on council as Ward 3 councillor, I remember saying several times, it feels like the issue of housing does not have a home within council. We had an area dedicated to providing affordable housing, but really nothing to look at the issue from a bigger level. Many years ago, in about 2014 and 15, the city directed administration to update the internal affordable housing strategy and to create a community-based strategy, which ended up being called the Community Housing Affordability Collective. That has now been absorbed into a provincial initiative. So once again, we're sitting at council saying we need more focus on this. So I'm very happy that these two councillors are looking to sort of revive the idea of not only having a task force that engages experts, but also to make sure that somebody internally is taking the helm on the issue of housing. All right. Just before we let you go, uh, Mayor, uh, your reaction to Wednesday night's announcement from uh, Premier Jason Kenney that he will be stepping down? You know, we've been in a period of turmoil in this province for many years. We had the economic recession and then we had the pandemic piled on top of it. And what we saw with COVID-19 was a lot of unpredictability and instability for everyone in their lives. And we are now thrown back into unpredictable and uncertain times through one person's decision. And hearing that he intends to hang on until a new leader is appointed just increases the instability. No one knows how long this is going to take. I, I look to the party and say, please set a time set an interim leader, and let's move on because all of this flux is not good for anyone. Thanks for your thoughts this morning, Mayor. Appreciate your time. Thank you. Have a great long weekend. You too. Great long weekend to you as well. That's Calgary Mayor Jyoti Gondek. Details continue to emerge after the deadly shooting in Buffalo that took the lives of 10 people. With details on this and all the latest news south of the border, we're joined this morning by Jennifer Johnson, Global News Washington correspondent. Hi, Jennifer. Good morning, Sue and Andy. Hey, thanks so much for being with us. Uh, tragic story. What's the latest on this shooting in Buffalo and the charges against the man who has been accused in the attack? Well, the 18-year-old suspect is facing um, multiple murder charges. Um, initially, they charge you with one count of murder, and that will be expanded when a grand jury hears the case and sends down indictments. Um, but he has uh, he's facing multiple murder charges, and also uh, I expect that hate crimes 
uh, charges will be filed against him, and that's sort of a different thing. Instead of being charged by the state of New York, he'll be charged by the federal government for um, a multitude of hate crimes because he directed this attack um, against black people. That was his manifesto. That was his plan, and that's how he carried out all of the victims that died were black. Do we know more about, you know, obviously this is a, a question that comes time and time again, gun control, access to guns, <laughs> access to weapons. Is, is the conversation, hey, this is what happens in the U.S., or are there further conversations among government and citizens to, to try to do something? Well, it's just the most frustrating thing in America. Over, It's pretty close to 90% of Americans feel that there should be some kind of sensible gun control laws. And yet there hasn't been a gun control law passed by Congress in 25 years, despite the fact that we've already had, as of Saturday when the Buffalo shooting happened, I think we were at 198 mass shootings in 2022 alone. Um, and so it just is one of these things where a mass shooting happens, people are shocked, people are horrified, and yet the lawmakers don't do anything because they can't get a gun control bill passed, particularly through the Republican Party. And we don't even hear about the majority of them on the news because they're just so commonplace. It's really shocking. It, what is it behind that, Jennifer? Is it the gun lobby, what they call the gun lobby? Is it these the gun makers? Are they that powerful? What is it? I mean, the gun lobby is very, very powerful. The gun makers are very powerful. They provide a lot of contributions to um, Congress people and senators. There's this whole, you know, this is whole thing that if, if you allow some gun control, then people are going to lose rights to all of their guns. And they perpetuated this message over and over, decade after decade, and people believe that. Um, but, you know, you still have a situation where this kid at, you know, 16, 17, 18 years old was buying semi-automatic rifles. And the question is, how in the world are we allowing kids mm -hmm. who don't, who can't legally drink, you know, the right to order and buy automatic weapons and semi-automatic weapons? It's, it's crazy to so many of us, and yet nothing ever changes. And it's very, very frustrating for the majority of Americans. And as you said, it's not even reported. I mean, you know, four people are shot here and five people are shot there and somebody you know, enters, you know, it's a church somewhere and shoots another five people over the weekend. Not even reported, really. Yeah, sad. It is, it is certainly Very sad. Very sad. And now for something completely different, but I have questions about this. Let's talk about the baby formula being uh, airdropped, in, flow, not airdropped, but uh, delivered from air. Kind of an emergency situation, Jennifer. How did this happen and, and what is the situation? So the situation unfolded because Abbott Nutrition, which provides the majority of the infant formula in the United States had two children die from drinking its formula in February. And so the FDA stepped in and shut down its biggest plant in Michigan. And so basically Abbott Nutrition stopped making infant formula for you know the United States. At no point at that time were the other manufacturers told to increase their production, apparently. And so we ended up with, we have ended up with this extreme shortage of baby formula. It's down about 45, 50%. So, you know, mothers going to the grocery store are finding empty shelves. And um, so the president just yesterday invoked the Defense Production Act, which basically says that if a plant, another company other than Abbott 
um, you know, is increasing production, but they don't have the people to do it, then the president has the right to order in federal workers or federal troops to help in the supply and, you know, the whole supply chain situation. Um, So that's one thing. And they're also yesterday decided that they were going to start flying in formula from Switzerland, from a company in Switzerland. But this has hit young mothers really hard because they didn't know what was happening. Mm -hmm. They would just go to a grocery store and then to another one and then to another one, and they couldn't find infant formula. And it caused a lot of panic. Women were on, I mean, we had a woman in our piece last week that went from Seattle. She flew from Seattle to Texas to try to get a case of formula that she found online. It was a total scam. Wow. The woman just took her money. Wow. That's unbelievable. Okay, well, hopefully that will get taken care of pretty quickly. Let's kind of change gears again, talk about uh, quite a a severe rise in COVID cases across the U.S. now, aren't there? What What do we know about that? Uh, Sue, I'm telling you, I know 10 people (laughs) in my circle who have been careful of COVID right now. It's spreading like wildfire. Um, So the COVID cases have increased in almost every um, state in the U.S. And it's particularly bad, again, in New York and Los Angeles. Um, And they think it's just this variant, these two variants, uh, new variants that are um, particularly transmissible. But... It just seems like everywhere you turn, you see people with COVID. Now, the hospitalizations and deaths are not increasing. But, you know, people have to remember, people are still getting sick. We don't know the long-term effects of COVID. There still is no herd immunity. And people are having to be out of jobs. I mean, I've had a couple of friends who have had to be out of work for a couple of weeks. They got sick enough so that they couldn't, you know, they weren't testing positive. One has to have a two, a two positive, a two negative test. Uh, but they kept testing positive. And so, you know, people are being, they are getting sick and they are getting pretty darn sick and they are having to stay out of work. And so it has had its effects. Um, but again, you know, people aren't masked anymore. You know, you go into airports, you know, you're on airplanes, you go into grocery stores, people just aren't wearing masks and they're not being careful. And so we've had this uptick and it's coming into graduation season, the Memorial Day holiday. So I think it's not going to, you know, the cases aren't going to start decreasing anytime soon, I don't believe. Jennifer, uh, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. Have a great weekend. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you. That is Jennifer Johnson, Global News, Washington correspondent. I, I wasn't too sure what I was reading. I thought that they had reversed the story that the U.S. was delivering baby formula mm-hmm. overseas and not the other way. This is a, it's a crazy thing. That's and, a severe uh, shortage. Can you imagine, though? I mean... That's what? what you feed your baby. Now what yeah. do you do? It's not like you can just whip up a, a different meal. It doesn't work that <laughs> we'll way. give you macaroni instead of pizza, yeah. kids. Wow, no. that's crazy, crazy story. Well, with the rising cost of living, how can we budget for a summer vacation while still keeping food on the table? Kind of a big deal. With tips and advice on how to make the most of your summer without breaking the bank, we're joined by Bruce Celery, CEO of Credit Canada. Good morning to you, Bruce. I am so good at summer. I love that you asked me to have this conversation because this personal finance is easy. Maxing out the joy in summer, hard, but I'm good. I'm really good at it. Okay, Captain Summer Bruce Celery is with us. It's oh, his, yeah. apparently time to shine. I and- just got new grill grates that's that's an adult thing to be happy about 
You got I am what? so excited about these grill grates. I can't even tell you. Really? So, well, so, can't so, oh, for, for, your yeah, for your barbecue. Yeah. I was thinking you had grills for your teeth, but that's the, what the kids get. <laughs> totally different. Have you Googled me? That is not the look that I <laughs> put out to the world. Uh, wow. Okay. Well, let, well let's <laughs> take us off on a weird path. I really am happy to talk about budgeting. I just am so excited about the summer. Yeah. We're no. excited to talk to you, Bruce, always. Good. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I think it's it's one of those things where, and you know, maybe the way the year's been going, the way a lot of people are in a tough situation, started talking about summer in January, but it's yeah. never too late to talk ahead and to try to find some way to squeeze the most out of summer. Well, again, still, you know, dealing with your commitment. So so what can we do on May 20th, Bruce? So here's my, my number one thing. You've got to get really clear on what a great summer means for you. Because it's different for everybody. Like some people really want to be uh, out in nature. They're headed to the Rockies. Some people want to have people over in the backyard and do some grilling, like whatever it is. Because as you think about the intersection of summer and money, you want to choose things, make the trade-offs that are going to maximize your joy. So if you love, 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 the stampede's your thing, you're going to go, you know, do all those things. That's great. Some people, that's not their thing. So they should do other things. So I want people to be really clear and conscious about what makes you and your family happy. Number two is the fundamental principle is living within your means. Like, so not an interesting thing to say, but that's really where it begins because we live in this world of abundance, which on the one hand is great. On the other hand, you do not want to have a summer in which, uh, you know, it's late September and those credit card bills are arriving. And you're like, I have now got an outstanding balance here. It's an outstanding balance that I'm not going to be able to pay off in the fall. Then it's, you know, holiday shopping season and then it's February. So the principle is zero balance on your credit card, which when fuel costs about the same as the replacement kidney that you buy on the black market, <laughs> it is a game to play. So live within your means is the principle, and that follows the objective of how you define joy. And then you make trade-offs. So you've got money coming in, you've got money going out. What are the things that you're going to spend money on in a super smart way? So are you a list guy? Are you a spreadsheet guy? I mean, you know, what's the best way to kind of plan this out for those of us who are not like Bruce Celery and, and super savvy that way? <gasps> yeah, so I am not a budgeter. I do not, um, I do not put it into a spreadsheet. I don't do anything because I have a different method that fits with my particular temperament. It is called sustainable spending. So what I have done, and I do this periodically, is I analyze my cash flow. So what's coming in, what's going out? And I analyze it like, oh, that's interesting. I'm spending this on that and this on that. And do I really want to be spending this on that? The second step is to brainstorm. And so brainstorming is what are the ways that I can increase my income or cut my spending such that I free up room that I didn't have yesterday? And then the third step is commit to change. And here's like the really big idea. Commit to two or three things. Don't commit to 14,000 things because you're never going to do it. And the lattes do not matter. Drink as many lattes as you want if you are going to, for example, not drive your car for three weeks, right? So analyze brainstorm change is the model of sustainable spending because who wants to live on a diet for the rest of their life? Mm -hmm. No one wants to live on a diet for the rest of your life. But we need in that um, uh, health scan nutrition way, we need to find a way to live sustainably. So 
Uh, you know, we make certain choices about how much we spend on a mortgage. That's fixed for most people. Uh, but what are we going to spend on leisure? What are we going to spend on cars? All those sorts of things. I'm wondering, you know, because summer involves so much of our family, is this something that you, you know, maybe hold a family meeting about when it comes to the budget and what we can and might not be able to do for the summer, but yeah. get that plan together? 100%. So when I was talking about maximizing the joy, that is a family conversation. And when you've got different generations, it means very, very different things. We have a 12-year-old in the house. So there are different priorities than there would be if our kid was four, if our kid was 19. So I think including the family, and as you think about you know, the long weekends, so we want to do this. Is it more important to stay overnight at a hotel or is it more important to have a meal out or something? And now, even as those examples fall out of my mouth, I realize how bougie it sounds. There are people who are genuinely living very close to the line. And so they're listening and, and maybe they're driving their car, but they're listening to me going, dude, do you realize that because gas is, you know, $100 to fill up my truck, I literally have trouble at the grocery store. And, and many, many Albertans have that very, very real issue. So I know I'm, you know, playful and light and all that stuff, but I do want to acknowledge that some people, this is not fun. This is actually a crisis for them. So, so very true. And I mean, for all of us, no matter what, the cost of living is on the rise. So are you hearing from and seeing more people sort of taking on debt because it, it, they're having trouble making ends meet? Yeah. Yeah. Now, where we are in a this odd, weird period is that the labor market is strong and in the province of Alberta, energy is now, you know, back on track. But over the course of the weeks and months, as the interest rate hikes take hold and the consequence of inflation takes hold, this economic boom isn't necessarily going to carry the day. And as the labor market becomes more precarious, it could be quite problematic. So as you know, my day job is to run a nonprofit credit counseling agency. And so what we're hearing from clients even now is, how do I pay for the gas? How can I possibly make headway on my credit card when the cost of basic produce, we're not even talking like the fancy berries, you know, from Mexico, we're talking lettuce and cucumbers. Mm -hmm. They're priced much more than they're more, much more expensive than they used to be. Bruce, some great tips. And, uh, you know, we'll always turn to you when it comes to summer. Maybe next time it'll be summer cocktail suggestions because you, <laughs> oh. you've cornered the market on summer. Um, yes, I own summer. And we'll be over I to try out your new grill. Noom. I did Noom. I did Noom in advance. Yeah. So I'm looking better than ever before. Too, Look at this guy. Like that. Was that even possible? I, I know. I know. It's but amazing. He's going to be summer ready for that Speedo. I don't know if anybody summer. wants to. Another Speedo. Oh, my God. I'm a dad. No Speedos. Um, Thank you so much uh, once again for joining us, Bruce. We appreciate it. Great to talk to you both. That is uh, Bruce Celery, CEO of Credit Canada. Find out what he does online at creditcanada.com. He's got his own website as well. It's fun. It's moolala.ca. Suicide rates for men are three times higher than for women in our province. The Center for Suicide Prevention is hoping to highlight this alarming statistic and change that narrative during their annual Buddy Up campaign. With details, we're joined by Akash Asif, Director, External Relations at Center for Suicide Prevention. Good morning to you, Akash. Good morning. How are you? Good. Thank you for taking the time with us. Such an important topic. Do we have any idea on why men are at higher risk for suicide? Yeah, absolutely. There are certain risk factors that make uh, men at higher risk uh, for suicide there. Uh, For example, one reason for why men are at risk is because 
we're expected to be stoic, you know, someone who can endure, endure pain or hardship without really showing our feelings or complaining. We're told that weakness will diminish our manhood. I mean, I've heard it growing up myself, girl pair, be a man. You hear things like that. Mm-hmm. And so there's this expectation that will persevere through adverse situations. So due to these expectations, men are often less likely than women to seek help when they are struggling. Additionally, men as a group are more likely than women to lose relationships over time as well, often because you prioritize career and financial success over relationships. So those are some of the risk factors associated with uh, why men are at a higher risk of suicide. So, Akash, we need to change the narrative, obviously, right? So that that starts young, I would suspect, with, you know, parents, particularly raising boys and girls the same way to share your feelings. It's okay to cry, all of that sort of thing. That's important, isn't it? Absolutely, yes, it is. And it's uh, it's important to drive that connection and uh, make sure that everyone is uh, okay to seek out help when they are struggling, as well as uh, make it okay to ask someone if they are doing uh, doing well as well. Enter the Buddy Up campaign. Tell us about the campaign. Yeah, so as, uh, as we talked about earlier here in Canada, men are dying by suicide in alarming numbers. And specifically, it is middle-aged men around that 40 to 65 years of age who die by suicide more than anyone else. To help change this reality, Centre for Suicide Prevention wanted to really develop a project or a campaign that worked, something that resonated. That's why all aspects of the campaign and project continue to be informed by an advisory committee and vetted by all male focus groups. So really, in 2020, we launched Buddy Up to promote authentic conversations among men and their buddies. It really focuses on help offering behavior. What do I mean by help offering behavior? Guys are more willing to ask for help for their buddies and to support their buddies than to ask for help for themselves. So why don't we leverage that? Which means that the campaign targets the community and friends of someone considering suicide. Men are being asked to take care of our buddies and keep them safe. So what the campaign consists of are two components with the tagline, how are you really doing? We developed cartoon-like illustrated characters who each have a story. The characters make the campaign approachable because people can relate these characters and their stories with someone in their life. But in addition to that, we wanted to give some insight to guys on how you can actually help your buddies. What do you do? So that's why we developed a four-step guide for how men can support our buddies. Is Akash then the Center for Suicide Prevention sort of the the premier place where people would go if you're struggling with mental health and you have even remote thoughts of suicide? Is that is that the place or do we have more resources available in Calgary? There are a few other resources. I mean, the, the center focuses on educating uh, Canadians with information, knowledge and skills necessary to respond to people at risk of suicide. So we are an education center, but there are other available resources such as uh, crisis lines as well as distress center uh, within Calgary as well here. Thank you so much for your time, Akash. We appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. You too. That is Akash Asif, Director of External Relations at Center for Suicide Prevention. And you can find more online at suicideinfo.ca. Thanks for downloading and listening to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review for free at Apple Podcast, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts. And tune in to Mornings with Sue and Andy from 530 to 9 every weekday morning on 770 CHQR.